0: It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: I'm Anthony Wiener, and thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2. When we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe we dive into a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So great to have you along. Let's get it's about to rain here in Midtown Manhattan. But we'll be keeping you company if you decide to come indoors, or even if you're watching it from your porch, or listening to it on your computer at WABCradio.com. We've got Diego running the board, Christian taking your calls, Kevin supervising things here. So great to have you along. I'll be here till 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. We've got plenty to chew on this week. There's a hearing coming to town. Washington is coming to town to have their show trial about Alvin Bragg and some other things. I mentioned you can you can stream this, obviously, at wabcradio.com, but if you're listening to it on terrestrial radio, you're able to hear us probably further than any radio station in all of New York City, up and down the eastern seaboard. Or you can reach us here, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, or you can reach me at, well, I'm not on Twitter right now. I deleted it off my phone after I posted this morning. I deleted it off my phone. I'll probably... You know, unlike every other social media user, I drag myself back, then wienerwabc at gmail.com. So a lot went on this week. Jordan started a new hockey league. It's not really a league. It's, It's kind of a scrimmage league, a house league. He's going to be playing in the spring. The challenge of it for me is he gets off the ice at 12.50, and that makes it a little bit tight because I've got to break down all his gear, throw him in the car, get him home, and then get to the studio. So my ritual of... Uh, biking over here leisurely at 1 o'clock or so. Uh, it's a bit broken up a little bit, but it's really great to be able to spend that time with them. Huma is in Northern Ireland. She's part of the delegation that's commemorating the Good Friday Agreement's the anniversary. Um, as uh, you might have read, I can't devote a lot of time to this because I listen to my bosses around here, but the Islanders made the playoffs. It was touch and go there since I, I met with you last week. The Rangers also made the playoffs. The Devils also made the playoffs. The Knicks and Nets are also in the playoffs. So lots of time for sports reports here on 77 News and Talk Radio. Um, Jordan and I, I mean, I can't tell you how grateful I am just to have this sports thing as a, as a thing that Jordan and I have in common. Like, you know, we walk to school in the morning and, He's telling me about his predictions for the Stanley Cup. We talk about his playing of the game and my games. He usually gives me a hard time because I'm my team is not so great, and I just I just have so much gratitude because he's at that age where his instinct he's 11 his instinct is to push off and to you know whatever he doesn't need his dad as much as he used to, and I'm just so glad that we have that commonality of experience. I don't know who invented sports. I don't know who came up with the idea but the way for for dads and their sons. And I was talking to another hockey dad who does it with his daughter, like the way it becomes kind of the, the glue of a relationship that you just have that to talk about. I'm just really grateful for that. So Jordan had a skate today, and I raced over here. A little later in the program, we're going to start a new feature I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to find interesting or regrettable, in this case, quotes from the presidential candidates now that there are more of them getting in the race, sniffing around, we saw... Pompeo said he wasn't going to run. We saw Tim Scott say he is going to run, or he's thinking of it. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And as I said, when Curtis comes in, we're also going to talk about our first number of the week. Every week we like to do some numbers. Our first number of the week is four. Four is the number of teams that have announced that they are going to extend beer sales beyond the traditional seventh inning cutoff. Now, why do I make this one of the numbers of the week? Because as I've spoken to you about before, and if you're baseball fans, you're already hip to this, games are much shorter now than they were just last season. They put a pitch clock in, a batter clock in, lots of things to make it move more quickly. And so on average, baseball games have 31 minutes shorter. So if you have a, a cutoff to when beer is served, ostensibly it's so that people are not slamming a beer and then getting into their cars. Yet there are four teams that are not making the time earlier like they should, say, the sixth inning. They're making it later, the eighth inning. And why are they doing that? They're doing that because they realize if it's a shorter game, they're going to make less money selling beers, and we don't care about anything except that. So they're going in the other direction. All this phoniness about, like, we care about the the sobriety of our customers. They're going in the other direction. So there are four teams that are selling beer later, and I bet you all the other teams Go and follow suit if there's not some blowback. But there has been already um, some blowback to that um, suggestion. Curtis and I are going to talk about this a little bit. He and I both have kind of a very cynical view of baseball owners. He's a Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan. But we both have a certain amount of contempt for the ownership of these teams. The next number is 226. That's how many murders there were in Indianapolis in 2022. 154, that's how many murders there were in Jacksonville. In 2022. Columbus, Ohio had 140 in 2022. San Francisco had 56. Now, why do I make all of those numbers of the week? They're all cities roughly the same size. They're in the realm of about 815,000 to about 950,000. So that you're comparing apples to apples. And that last one, the one that had fewer than the other cities. And by the way, just if, if you're curious, Indianapolis, Democratic city with a Republican governor. Jacksonville, Republican governor, Republican mayor, Columbus, Ohio, Democratic mayor, Republican governor, San Francisco, Democrats both ways. I'm just again just putting that out there. And so why do I mention the San Francisco number? Um, by the way, another number eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 eight hundred eight four eight WABC. The reason I mention that number is that one of those murders that happened in San Francisco was tragically a well-to-do tech CEO. You probably seen the stories about this, but he was similar, unfortunately, to what about 82, depending on what study you read, about 82% of all homicides are. The guy knew the person that killed him. And so you've heard, for ever since this guy was stabbed, you heard on Fox, you heard on on Talk Radio, WABC, you've heard all over the place the narrative about woke DAs, about vagrants, homeless people, drugs, fentanyl, Mexico, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, all of these things about nobody being safe from the crime apocalypse. And I have been listening acutely to all of those same voices to say, oh, well, maybe it didn't have anything to do with the DAs or the, who was the mayor or didn't have anything to do with the laws. It had to do with the idea that, unfortunately, sometimes, particularly when it comes with crimes of passion, a lot of the time, it's two people that knew each other. That does not mean that there are not instances of horrific, random acts of violence. But it's a good reminder that there is a whole ecosystem of people who want to make you afraid. Um, crime is a problem. I was a member of Congress who was on the Crime Subcommittee. I was on the Judiciary Committee. I was criticized because I was sometimes too tough on crime. You know, I I, I was a fairly, you know, my district was fairly middle of the road. I supported the death penalty. I changed my position on that, but I supported the death penalty. I had support of the big police unions. I supported additional funding for DNA, um, for for the, uh, the, the bill that I passed helped do the, do many more DNA tests of rape kits. Things like, I'm not a soft on crime kind of guy, but I do believe that sometimes we just get so hysterical because it is in the interests of people in our major media outlets, including the station I work for, to make everything seem apocalyptic. You've heard the expression, if it bleed, it leads. That's a thing in media. And I think it's, this is a good reminder that sometimes what you see might make a terrific narrative around, oh, they should have had that law or that or another law. Sometimes it gets more attention because, oh, my God, a, a wealthy tech executive got stabbed. It can happen to anybody. Um But sometimes these things are, you know, are one-off things that, you know, well, uh, this guy was not killed as part of any crime spree. We don't know what it is. It looks like the prosecutor believes it's something, that the intimation is it's some kind of a crime of passion. In a similar vein, another number of the week this week is 4.2. Million. That is the total number of individuals who have access to classified information in 2019, meaning they have clearance to look at classified information. That was up to 2019, the last time this number was published. Of those, 1.3 million individuals have access to top-secret information. 1.3 million people have top-secret security clearance. And one of those people was a 21-year-old, low-ranking, essentially an IT repairman, who was a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. Now, he happened to be an online gamer who, we're told, posted racist things online, who showed up at school after the Las Vegas mass shooting massacre, wearing a a shirt with a picture of an AR-15 on it. He also apparently posted top-secret information on a gamer chat to impress his friends. 21-year-old kid, guy, person. And I talked to you a moment ago about the narratives not always being correct. He was not a Russian spy. He was not some faceless international hacker organization. He was not an embedded weapon of China. He was apparently motivated by all the things that twenty one year old misfits everywhere are motivated by. You know, impressing his friends on some gamer bulletin board. He's a criminal, make no mistake about it. If if the allegations are true, and if he did this, you know, you 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 take an oath to your country when you join the military, you take an oath when you get your security clearance, and he's endangered people with this. And he's a fool. He doesn't seem like he's a particular, he seems like a fairly witless chap based on all the descriptions I've read. But did you hear that number I read a moment ago? 1.3 million people have access to top secret information in this country? Oh, and here's another interesting one. 2,000 people, maybe even more than that, have the ability to mark something classified. So what is the result of that cocktail? That you have a million, 1.3 million people that have access to top secret information. You have 2,000 people who make these designations, which is across a bunch of different agencies. Well, in 2014, that's the last, I mean, I looked around this is the last number. 2014, wait for this, 77 and a half million documents got classified, classification stamps in that one year. And I can tell you that things don't become unclassified very easily. So imagine, let's round it down to fifty million every year. What are we doing? I mean, first of all, it seems like we're making—and I did a podcast about this on the Middle Unplugged. Like, I don't know what it was—a like a month and a half ago, two months ago. I mean, we're we're making everything secret. So then it turns out that nothing is secret. And then we wonder why you've got President Trump who takes things apparently actively because he wanted to show them. But you have, you have, you have Biden, you have, you have, um, you have Pence finding out that they have things in their boxes that turned out to be. And then, then take a look at my case. I had a, a, a laptop that they said, so "Oh, there, there's classified things on it." It turned out that there were none. But they said, "Oh, but there are ones that should have been marked classified. They weren't. There weren't. There's stuff out there that you're not supposed to. You're supposed to imagine that it's classified." Maybe part of the problem, and I guarantee you, this is not the way government officials are thinking, is maybe we should stop thinking everything is a secret, treat the secrets like they really are secrets. You know, I heard that Donald Trump, and I think Donald Trump is going to get indicted for this, and I think he's going to be found guilty of the way that he handled this because there was a subpoena saying, "Give us your documents." He never did. He tried to hide them. Okay, put that aside. One of the documents is is a is a a love letter from Kim Jong Un to to Trump. I mean, I think that's a secret who, Why? Why? And I want to get you to think about one other thing before we go to break. You know, part of who broke this case of this guy. Who is a bad, he shouldn't have done this. I'm not, I'm not defending him I and mean, I think he did a lot of harm and I think people are going to die because of it. One of the two leading places this thing got unraveled is the New York Times and Washington Post both put their best people on trying to figure out based on the clues they can find, doing other, to taking the clues apart and figuring out who this guy is. I ask you this hypothetical question. What if that kid, that guy, uh, to share, I think his name is to share, Is that the name name right to share? What if he had called up a reporter from the New York Times? Say, I have these documents. Would you like them to write a story about them? What would the New York Times have done? Would they have turned them in? No. Would they have said, oh, no, we're not going to... No. So the same New York Times that is wringing their hands, cursing at the sky about how bad the security is, would take these secrets in a minute and probably have based stories on top secret documents all the time. There's no clean hands here. And you can yell at ah, Biden is loose with secrets. And he's got millions and millions and millions of documents. See, I'm sure he. I'm sure if, if, if uh, Joe Biden had nothing to do with an air National Guardsman in Massachusetts having access to these documents. The point is, why are there so many? The point is, why are so many being stamped that way? What is about this instinct in our government to keep things secret? I get that there are things you need to. But I also have to tell you this. I want one place I guarantee the federal government is not going to look to solve this problem. It's not going to look on anything about what the way they handle it. It's going to be, let's do more surveillance, let's spy on people some more, let's get access to their passwords. That's going to be their answer. But I think left and right should be able to agree, something's got to change. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We'll take some of your calls when we get back. I'm Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. It's so great to have you along.
0: new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
1: Welcome back to the Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's the Untouchables bringing back in, bring us back in. Used to listen to the Untouchables a lot when I lived with a bunch of guys in Arlington, Virginia. 304 South Jackson Street, Arlington, Virginia. Right after college, worked on Capitol Hill. Music does have that effect of bringing you to a space. So we're talking about a couple of issues that I am calling—I don't know what to describe it. I guess the thing they have in common is they're kind of narrative busters. Is that we had this narrative about this crime that was committed in San Francisco, this out-of-control city, this random act of violence. It turned out, first of all, San Francisco's crime rate is actually lower than a lot of places of similar size, and it wasn't random at all. It was someone the guy knew. And then the second thing is, we have this idea about who spies on the United States, and we think it's these shadowy figures. But you know, it's what it could just be is that we just have such a leaky system because the system is 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 overused. But the narrative should not be, oh, my God, this guy, he hated his country or he hated Joe Biden or he doesn't believe in the war in Iraq, in, in, in Ukraine or anything else or we've got a problem. You know, there is this, you know, or uh, well, we're so concerned about woke in the military, we forgot to pay attention to, to broke in the military, broken in the military. Anyway, the, the, the narrative should be perhaps, in my view, our whole system of keeping track of secrets. We have too many of them. We have too many people that have access to them, and it th- that combination, and we have too many people who have its incentive to keep more secrets. Think about the different. If you've got two thousand people who are stamping things secret, think about why they might do it. One, what if they have a program that's a complete waste of money, and every document gets stamped secret so no one can see it? What if they have a program that there's some corruption going on? That, what if they just want to show their power that they have access to a document no one else has? They stamp that top secret. I told you that, that, um, I have some personal experience with this, that I, I have this famous laptop that James Comey, would, without even, despite the fact there was nothing on it, and he was aware there was nothing on it, still stopped the election of 2016 and flipped it for Donald Trump, because I had stuff on my, on my laptop. So it was always top secret stuff. It turned out there was nothing. And more importantly, the things that they said should have been classified were like talking points for Hillary Clinton. On what she should say about whatever—it's basically a public—a document of, of things that she said in public. Long story short, the narrative busting in this case is: you can stare at this twenty-one-year-old kid all you want. The real problem is the system we have for keeping secrets. In my view, eight hundred eight four eight W E B C, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to the calls. And I said also at the bottom of the hour or so, maybe maybe a little later. Maybe we'll leave some more time for calls. Going to play some quotes from a couple of candidates running for president. Who. um might make your eyes roll into the back of your head. All right, let's start with some calls. First, there's Steve in Forest Hills. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for calling. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head
2: uh, when you said that. You know, number one, there, there's just too much surveillance, uh, and too many people have, uh, you know, just random access to it. And I think that's that's the heart of the problem—not crime uh, per se—in uh, terms of like people getting mug, rob, whatever the case may be on the street, but the biggest criminal is really the government. insofar so far as say, it's violating people's civil liberties and violating people's civil rights. I mean, you know, you have too many intrusions upon personal liberty and, and, and privacy as a result of the police state that's been erected, especially not, uh, not exclusively, but especially since 9-11. 9-11 was used as an excuse for the Patriot Act expansions of FISA. All of these uh, illegal overreaches by the government. Well, I think. Of, uh,
1: you, yeah, I mean, Steve, you 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 make you make a good point, but it's a controversial one, right? I mean, when we go into these periods of uh, of higher crime, and we've had a crime spike the last couple of years, it is much, 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 much lower than it has been um, in a long t- in a long time. We had a real decline. The streets have never been safer than they were under, wait for it, Bill de Blasio. I'm no big fan of Bill de Blasio, but crime was way down. Now it's ticking up a little bit, all that being true. But when crime starts going up, what do politicians know how to say? What do radio hosts know how to say? Find more, throw the book at them, crack down, crack down, crack down. But one thing that left and right should kind of agree upon... Is the increase of the strength of the federal government, the state government, the local government to crack down on crime means that we give up a little something. I don't know if you saw this. I'm going to ask Curtis about this. He must have seen it. The police department said we're going to deploy a bunch of robots on the train platforms. What robots that are going to do what? Are they going to walk around and snap pictures of everyone's face and then put it through a database to see who looks suspicious? I don't want that. I mean, let, let, I, I want to be, I want to be, be fair. You know, any any crime increase, we should try to figure out why it's happening and make it stop. No doubt about it. Anyone whose job it is to handle our national secrets, who puts them on a Discord gamer web uh, um, chat room, should be arrested and should be prosecuted. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying anything different. What I am saying, though, is the one place that we don't look enough at is why did we create, one, this narrative that thinks that only... People that you know that it, we only have random crime, like we we don't realize that there are other types of crime. And to this other narrative that that you know everyone stealing our secrets is doing something venally. This this kid, I I mean I don't know him. He he seems like a jackass to me, but but I don't think that he was trying to undermine the United States of him. I mean I could be wrong. It just seems like it seems like that's 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 a step too that's a step too far. Uh, next let's go to Mario in Manhattan. Mario, thank you so much for calling in.
2: Yes, hello. What I want to say is the, basically the following. Basically, the city is more dangerous than it's ever been, and I grew up here in the early 1960s. On top of it, under the Blasio, and called him his real name, Warren Wilhelm, he doesn't deserve an Italian name. The bottom line is, is that crime was getting bad, including anti-Semitism. And he was the most, he was a communist mayor of the most the most uh, capitalist city in the world, and that he was bent for business. So Mario, let me ask you a question.
1: I, 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 Mario, would you mind sharing with the listeners and myself how old you are? I'm in my early 60s. Okay, so you and I are roughly contemporaries. You're a little bit older than I. Do you remember Subway's in the 70s? Absolutely. Do you remember Do you remember the, the crime in the late 80s, early 90s? Mm-hmm. This is not that bad. I'm sorry. Oh,
2: it is. Hey, we didn't have people setting off bombs and shooting them in the subways in the 1970s. We had people
1: lighting entire blocks on fire. We had graffiti. We we had graffiti on the trains the moment they left the yard. It was not safe then to to walk the street. I used to go into Brooklyn Tech. I used to wear my watch on a belt loop on my pants so when they mugged me, it would be easier for them to take it. I mean, what the heck, Mario? I, I I love you, Mario, because I think you you are expressing something that a lot of people think, and that is a little bit of amnesia. Putting aside the De Blasio thing, I ran against him because I thought he'd be a lousy mayor. It turned out I was right. Putting that aside, we have had real two thousand murders, and I'm going to put Danny up next, who says, "Oh, murder's not a real." Actually, let's put him up now. Danny in Long Island, go ahead, Danny.
2: Hi, how you doing? Yeah, you, you you hit on a lot of good points there. Uh, if you want me to go right to the crime, yes, I spent 20 years in the police department as a lieutenant. I was on during the good old days in the 80s when it was completely out of control. The crime we have now is nowhere near what we had back in the late – from the from the 80s to the late 80s, it peaked. And then by 90, it started to subside. Crack epidemic fueled the whole thing. But no, murder is, has never been a true, accurate indicator of a city's uh, crime rate or livability because – the murders are always like you said, ninety percent of them are domestic they 're targeted uh they're drug dealers they're, they're people and it's and even in the crime that happens in the street is targeted in certain neighborhoods unfortunately where they 're mostly drug related has nothing to do. if you live in Bayside and there was fifty murders in, in Brooklyn, it doesn 't matter to you but The FBI's seven statistics that they keep are irrelevant when you have a homeless guy crapping in front of your business every day. I agree. I agree. The biggest thing in San Francisco this week was not that unfortunate homicide. It was that Whole Foods said they're stealing so much stuff, we're closing the store. And in Chicago, three Walmarts are leaving because the politicians are not throwing the book at people. They're throwing open the doors of the prison. Yeah. Yeah. that's the the quality of life issues is what's killing the city, and that's what's making it feel unsafe. I, I agree. So-
1: but but Danny, let me let me just say this. First of all, you if if you were on the job during that period, it's because of you and your colleagues that the city ta- ultimately tackled crime and it got under control. And I want to thank you for your service. The reason that the reason that murders are used as the barometer is that that's the unfakeable one. You have literally a body. That there's all kinds of reasons why people don't call in crimes. I talked to the manager of my local, um, of the target that is always has crime there and I asked him, how carefully do you take, how carefully do you catalog what gets stolen here and how much do you report? He says, I report like one in three times that, that, that someone did. It's just an easier number to fudge. But you're exactly right. The stuff that people, what's the word? The, The stuff that people feel viscerally. Is not a statistical thing. It is this vague sense that the city is slightly out of control. Like when you used to have, when we used to have signs in our, in our car windows that said radio already stolen. Like things like that. I don't disagree that we're going through a crime uptick. I, I see it. I, I live not far from 414th street in the east, um, in the east village and the the people steal stuff and then stand there and sell it. It's and it's it's all stuff that just came out. I know exactly the CVS it came out of, but I don't I don't, you know I I'm not trying to minimize it. That's just, that's the reason I use that statistic. Let's go to. Do we have time for one more? Or we got to go to break. Let's go to break and we come back. We'll do a few more calls. Also, I'm gonna do some cuts of some embarrassing quotes from the new presidential candidates and on the other side.
0: Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. There's a man who leads a life of danger. Everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. When every move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret agent man, secret agent man, they've given you a number and taken away you.
1: And welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm here till 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Lewell comes in for left versus right. Curtis and I are going to try to preview the kangaroo court, the hearing Jim Jordan's going to bring to Manhattan Island. We're ready for him. And I think Curtis and I are going to have the same take on this notion of taking the opportunity of a shorter baseball game to not end beer sales sooner, but to make it later. You and I root for different teams, but we have the same contempt for ownership. 800-848-WABC, 800 848 We're trying to weave together the two issues of this week that I think were narrative-defying. The idea that this poor guy that was murdered in San Francisco is some, something endemic of crime being out of control. He was, it looks like, killed by someone who knew him in a crime of passion, and the idea that the problem with leaks and confidential documents is the leaker and not the whole system we have of 70 million documents in 2014 were stamp classified. So let's average it out. Let's say it's 50 million a year. That means you probably have a billion classified documents out there somewhere. So It's no wonder they get lost. All right, let's go back to the calls. Uh, let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Robert, welcome back. Hi. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Robert. I
2: would like to see schools secured the way they should be. I'm 100% with Rita Cosby on this. We need access control systems, steel doors with solid cores, magnetic locks, access control. And also, I say two armed security officers like retired police, military, one for the front door who is Point of access
1: and the other to patrol the ground. That's a great idea, Robert. That's a great idea. I got an idea. Why don't we just secure it like we might secure a bank? Like with thick plexiglass and a guard. Oh, wait a minute. The last shooting happened at an actual bank. And maybe we should secure it like that with secure doors and a guard. Oh, like Stillman High School was. Or maybe we should have a guard at the front door like at in the supermarket in Buffalo, where the security guard was the first person who was killed. Or maybe we should have a guard for every person at the Las Vegas concert. I mean, how about I get a better idea than that? Than something, why don't we do what every other country has done but us? Make it harder to get these weapons. I mean, why is it that every time people scroll through, like, what is the thing that we can do to do anything Except the obvious thing, there are guards. I can't tell you the number of different places that have been shot up with guards. The Pulse nightclub had a guard. <laughs> it's why why are we resisting the why resisting the thing that when we did it under Bill Clinton actually worked in reducing the the number of 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 mass shootings by seventy five percent. You forget we banned these AR 15s but we put it. It was a sun. We, in order to get it passed, they had a sunset it. The moment the sunset ended and the, b- these things became available, what started happening? They started spiraling upward again. There's, you can make a list: churches with with guards outside, supermarkets, concerts where there's all kinds of security. What about Uvalia? Uvali. dozens of cops showed up, dozens of long before a lot of the shooting happened. They had a, a virtual army there. Why? Why not try this one thing that everyone else has tried? Why? All right, so we're getting to the point in the 2024 presidential campaign that more people are getting in, and there's more news coming out, and I want to try to keep up with it. I told you Mike Pompeo is out. Pompeo never probably should have been even considering it. He's out. He said he can't compete um we have one person who I'm 90, 90s high, I'm going to say 85% sure, um, is going to be a candidate for president of the United States. And he happens to be a fellow who is already the president. And I am going to let you listen to something he said this week.
0: You see this tie I have with the shamrock on This was given to me by one of these guys right here. <clears throat> was a hell of a rugby player. and they beat
1: the hell of the black and tans. Oh, God. All right. Where do I start? Well, first, let me start with some context about that. The black and tans isn't just a mistake. He meant to say the all blacks, which is the New Zealand rugby squad. Black and tans is just not any other reference. Black and tans is the nickname for this notoriously brutal Irish constabulary uh Royal Irish Barry, enlisted by the British to fight against the civilians of Ireland of Northern Ireland during the Irish War of Independence 100 years ago that that's a, probably the worst possible thing you can say but but putting that aside you know we now have a situation another poll came out this week showing that 7 of 10 68% people say that an 80-year-old president is too old for another term and Biden who's already the oldest president in US history will be 86 by the end of a second term if he would win re-election 2024. A, a huge majority of independents, 71% say that 82 is too old to start a term, which is what he would be. This is a this is a, I'm a democrat. I think he's going to run. I think since Trump is going to be the nominee, I think he's going to win. But I want to tell you, I am not alone according to these polls of being a democrat. Who cringes at the mistakes, the the brain farts of President Biden? Now it's in a different genre than Trump because Trump just says like silly things. Like I could, I, you know, I I debated like do I should do a montage of his interview with Tucker Carlson, and it was a different thing. You know, she is she is good looking man, right out of Central Casting, like whatever that is. You know, the the his stuff that he said about Putin's all over propaganda. TV in in Russia, but the, this Biden thinks a problem. It is a problem. But we have an, another entry into the race. His name is Tim Scott. Now listen to Tim Scott's first foray. Now remember, Tim Scott, a United States senator from South Carolina, African American guy, a Republican, African American Republican, which makes him interesting just to, just with nothing else. But remember something that happens is that these senators, they say every United States senator looks in the mirror and sees a future president. Very few of them have had real tough campaign experiences in a very long time, and sometimes it's obvious.
0: Yes, sir. Would you support a federal ban on abortions? I would simply say that um, the fact of the matter is when you look at the issue of abortion, one of the challenges that we have, we continue to go to the most restrictive conversations without broadening the scope and taking a look at the fact that I'm 100% pro-life. I never walk away from that. But the truth of the matter is that when you look at the issues on abortion, I start with the... Very important conversation I had in a banking hearing where I was sitting in my office and listening to Janet Yellen, the secretary of the Treasury, talk about increasing the labor force participation rate for African-American women who are in poverty by having abortions. Uh, I think we're just having the wrong conversation. I
1: I mean, for the love of God, what kind of word salad was that? He was asked whether he supports a Nash, a, a what was it again? Actually, let, let's play the. I forgot the question. Here, play yeah, play the question. Sir, would
0: you support a federal ban on abortions? There
1: you go. Would you support a federal ban on abortion? Probably the number one thing in your briefing book. Probably the reason you're running. And you got a word salad that ended up with George, with Janet Yellen, and the and and labor workforce. What the hell of it? Look, here's what's going to happen. He's going to get better, no doubt about it. And maybe it's shooting fish in a barrel to take a brand new candidate for president and critique him on it. But this is not critiquing him on some obscure issue. He's he's a United States senator running for president, and he goes to Iowa and does a gaggle and answers a question about... Now, I will say this. All over the country are Republicans trying to figure out a way to get out of the way of this abortion issue. <laughs> I talked about it last week about what happened in Wisconsin. Everywhere people are wrestling with the Donald Trump, actually, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. He said some interesting things this week about trying to, like, figure out a way to get out out of that issue because I think he knows it's, it's a killer. So putting that aside, that you don't have an answer that starts with the word no or yes to that question shows that you're probably not ready for prime time. Now, I think he's an interesting character. I, I have said, and again, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, Donald Trump will be the nominee for president of his party. He will lose and Joe Biden will be reelected. That's my view of what's going to happen. But the, the, what's the rest of the crew has two main challenges that they've got to work out. One, how to position themselves vis a vis Donald Trump and two, when to get out of the way, <laughs> when to basically say, okay, in order to keep them viable for the next time. Now Pompeo has made the assessment. I can't even. Figure it out so I'm going to get out of the way now and c- continue to be viable theoretically in the future. Um, but this is going to be a recurring problem. So what I'm going to try to do is every week, maybe not every week, I, I want to try to bring regular kind of, I think the, uh, the Republican candidates are interesting. I think I've spent a lot of time talking about Ron DeSantis. I think they're interesting, but you got to do better than that. That is, that is in a different way as bad as what Joe Biden, as bad as the gaffe that uh, Joe Biden had. Um, so when we get back we're gonna wrap up with a few more calls and when Curtis comes in at four o'clock, at three o'clock we're gonna talk a little bit about Jim Jordan about the New York Mets about beer. I won't talk about hockey I'm told that I can't You can't even do a little wrap-up maybe I get Jordan to call in and do it for us 8084 at WABC This is the middle I'm Anthony Weiner. we'll see you on the other side.
0: to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
1: Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm here until 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Leewa comes in for Left versus Right. Elvis Costello doing a little bit of spy, spying set. Kitty chose the music today. She did a great job as usual. WABCradio.com is how you can screen it, uh, can stream it, rather, 800-848-WABC. We're taking calls. We're talking a little bit about crime, a little bit about spying, a little bit about documents. Uh, to keep it going, it's uh, rainy in Suffolk County. Rainey, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Cool. um there's two things we have the new generation college students growing up thinking they deserve something they're victims they're narcissists right and then the other side of that if you put it on a plan it's the republicans saying we you know they go by the constitution they the kids don't even even know what that means they're just being whiners and babies. So what's going to happen? They're going to go to the Democrats who are saying they are victims. We're going to support you. And then they're going to support them. So where do the Republicans or the Constitution life? Well,
1: wait a minute. But, Rainey, are you, are, I mean, I, I guess I'm being rhetorical now, and I appreciate your calling. calls again. You're saying the two ends of the spectrum are young people and Republicans. That's kind of true, actually. Look at how young people have been voting recently, but I'm not sure I buy. And by the way, isn't it always the case every generation of old people like me says all these young kids, they don't care about anything. I got to tell you, they showed up in droves in Wisconsin to choose a Supreme Court justice because they were concerned that, that a a woman's right was being taken away, that election denialists were going to get elected to the, to the, to the court. If it really is a dichotomy between young people and Republicans, I got my money on the young people only because they're going to be around longer. There's, there's such little reflection on the part of my Republican brothers and sisters to say, hey, we got to figure this out. We can't keep losing generationally the way we are. You know, I talked last week about the idea that in a state that usually wins, that statewide results are one or two points. In Wisconsin, the Democrat won by 11 points. And you had turnouts... In, in the college towns of Wisconsin, they were off the charts. Now Rainey says, oh, that's a terrible thing for our country. No, I'm an optimistic person. I believe that young people are looking to the future. And that also assumes something else. Are there really no Republican young people? Really? There's gotta be a few. I and mean, there has to be some out there. Uh, next let's go to Liam in New Jersey. Liam, thank you so much for calling.
2: Hey, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm well, pal. I like your show. You got all the answers. I don't agree (laughs) with many of them, but you got all the answers.
1: (laughs) Thank you, my man.
2: All right, I want to talk about this to share a kid, all right? Uh, You talk about, you know, you talk about leaks or the stories about leaks, okay? How about the fact that CNN was there before the FBI, okay? That speaks to the bigger issue, that the Justice Department thinks that that's a nice show for everybody, that they're going to go there with 50 guys, with heavy artillery, and an armored uh, personnel carrier, and say, oh, look, this is a tidy little package. We can wrap this up real quick, all right? It's disgusting.
1: Hey, yeah, I, I don't PDF... – no, I agree, but, Liam, I am I I think that you're on to something. I bet you they did call up CNN and say we're going to be there and have a nice, impressive sw- a source, uh, a sweep. But you can't just have that kind of outrage – when it's a high-profile FBI case of a 21-year-old white kid, they do it all the time with perp walks. They do it all the time with with kind of running to the to give press conferences about how we got this guy and he did this and he did that, and and you get into court and it turned out that the case was was paper thin. And how about the other hypothetical? That I, I'm serious. I I think this word's worthy of discussion. What if if the New York Times that did so much work to find out who this guy was. What if they had gotten a call from Teixeira a month ago saying, "I have these charts about how the war is going, and they're top secret. I will give them to you as a um, as a whistleblower. I will give them to you as a source, but you can't reveal my name." Would we have all of this naval gazing and hand wringing about how security was so bad? No, the media thrives on these types of leaks. It is the, 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 the it's the it's like it's like tinder of of flammable stuff. All of these secrets floating around, all of these people that have them, all of these people that have access to them, and then and then people in the media and people online who are in the business, both for venal reasons and for innocent reasons, to try to get a hold of them. Liam's not wrong. He's not wrong. You know, he, the 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 fact that that it was a whole show that we got this guy. Look how well we've done. Really, you're going to – and and you watch, I guarantee it, as sure as I am sitting here, when they have some hearings on this stuff or the Justice Department puts out its proposals or DOD puts out its proposals, how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again? It's going to be we're going to find some way to to basically to spy on people while they're in chat rooms, to spy on people while they're in Discord, to spy on people in different ways, to kind of, you know, going to these, these carriers and say we want access to people's screen names. It's going to be that kind of an answer. Never once are they going to say, you know what? Maybe we're keeping too many secrets. Maybe we, maybe there's too, there's, we're treating everything like a state secret because we don't want to have to talk about it. And when I was in the United States Congress, there used to be parts of the budget that we couldn't see. <laughs> it's called the black budget. You had to go into a skiff. You had to go into, into a secure, uh, how's skiff? Secure compartmentalized something. <laughs> I don't know what skiff stands for. You had to go there to read the actual budget. And by the way, once you had those numbers, let's assume they were outrageously high. Once you have gone in and looked at this top secret information, you couldn't talk about it anywhere. You couldn't go to the floor of Congress to go to your constituents and say, this is outrageous, we should stop it. This cycle of having classified information is first and foremost to create this ecosystem of people that classify things, that are allowed to see things, and then don't want you to talk about them. And then to make it even worse is the media, who's doing their job, but they're trying to make them public also. This 21 year old kid is not the villain here. Yes, he did something wrong. He should go to prison for it probably for a long time. But it's this system that we've created that is just out of control. As always, I'm really grateful that you joined us today. I know this was kind of, I don't know what we'd call this show. They're like, you know, narrative busting 101. But I really do appreciate your humoring me on it because it is a place that I think the left and the right can kind of agree. I think we can agree that we can be concerned about crime but also be concerned about this the fear the the fear ecosystem in the media to try to make us afraid of one another to make us hate one and loathe one another make us be afraid to go outside this bleed that it leads thing and we do it here in abc for sure i think we can agree that when it comes to Secrets and who leaked what and who has access to what. Yes, people do things that are wrong. I think that what Donald Trump did was wrong. I think that what the guy Teixeira did was wrong. Well, I'm open to the idea that what Biden did was wrong. I'm open to the idea even to what happened with me, that I had some responsibility when a, a backed-up BlackBerry wound up on, on my, my laptop. But I also think that there are big, important elements of our government that wants to keep things secret and that that's something that we should be thinking about. And one other element to this. Left and right, both kind of for basically the same reason, that we believe in the idea of government, of being protected from our government. Left and right should be able to agree that when you're creating a system where 77.5 million documents a year are become classified, that the final analysis, they're being kept secret from us. From us, we the people. And that's a problem no matter where you sit on the political spectrum. My name's Anthony Wiener. This is The Middle. So great to have you along. If you missed any part of the show, it'll be available as a podcast at the Red Apple Podcast Network coming up at the top of the hour after some news. Left versus Right with Curtis Slewa. Hope you join us then and hope to see you here again two o'clock on Saturday for the next edition of The Middle.